This is the Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. The Political Insider is your inside source on politics from the White House to the State House and all points in between. If it's in the headlines, the Political Insider will have the story. Let's get started. Here's Bill Ballinger. Greetings out there in Michigan Radio Land, and especially all you political observers of Michigan politics and government. The big question on everybody's lips in Lansing right now is what is the likelihood that the gerrymandering lawsuit, the lawsuit filed by the League of Women Voters uh, last year, will ultimately prevail? Uh, I think we know, uh, everybody who follows politics and government of Michigan, that last week a three-judge federal panel dropped a bombshell saying that Michigan had been subjected to an unconstitutional gerrymander of its congressional and state legislative districts in the maps that were drawn up back in 2011 by a Republican-controlled legislature and signed by a Republican governor, Rick Snyder, and that they must be redrawn and that elections next year, 2020, must be held in these new districts. Furthermore, that the state Senate, which is not scheduled to run for election again until 2022, will have to run again next year, 2020, in redrawn districts, or at least some of them. And that brings into question whether certain senators, because of Michigan's term limits law, will not be able to run again because they've already been elected twice, which is the most that the Constitution says that they can run two times. And uh, some of them, including, by the way, the Senate Democratic leader, Jim Ananick of Flint, uh, who was elected in 2014 and 2018, he's been elected twice. So it would seem he can't run again. But will that be the case? And what about all the senators that were elected for the first time last year, 2018? They would expect to be able to run again for a second term in 2022 if they have to run next year? Uh, Is that the second time they would be running? Uh, Certainly would be. And uh, it would be for a two-year term because in 2022, uh, the law in Michigan says the Senate is up. And furthermore, a new uh, commission, independent commission, will draw the districts uh, between now and 2022. And so possibly uh, senators elected for the first time in 2018, even if they run and are reelected next year, will never be able to run again. We don't know because the three-judge federal panel's decision has been appealed directly to the United States Supreme Court by the Republicans in the congressional delegation from Michigan and by Republican leaders in the State House and Senate, appealed directly to the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, the U.S. Supreme Court is currently considering a a lawsuit, or I should say a couple of lawsuits, one from North Carolina, one from Maryland, on this issue of gerrymandering. And there is some 
belief that the U.S. Supreme Court, which is due to make a decision on these two cases in June, that's just over two months away, uh, will stay the action here in Michigan until they rule on the North Carolina and Maryland cases because whatever they rule may have a direct impact on our situation here in Michigan. It may render what the three-judge federal panel has said in its decision last week moot and inoperative, or it may confirm it and say go forward. Well, if it's going to go forward, uh, the three-judge federal panel says, we want to see maps presented to us, the three-judge federal panel, by August 1st of this year, uh, just uh, three months away, four months away, three months away. <laughs> and uh, not only that, uh, we want you to submit a list of three individuals for a panel that would consider naming a special master to draw the maps if the legislature fails to enact or the panel rejects their revised maps. We want you to have that to us, these three nominees, by July 1st. So there is total confusion, pandemonium, chaos. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Um, and uh, also there's some question, will uh, Justice Sonia Sotomayor, who is the controlling justice in charge of the state of Michigan within the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, will she issue a stay any time now? I mean, maybe even this weekend or early next week, or will she wait and not do anything until after she and her colleagues rule on the North Carolina and Maryland cases in June? That is up in the air. Now, there were some other things going on this week, um, and I will mention that uh, some polls uh, came out, which I thought were interesting. Uh, one of them by Target Insight, taken between, I believe, April 22nd and April 25th, found that the top two issues in Michigan for the citizenry are, guess what? Fix the damn roads with 23% and auto insurance rate reform with 23%. They're tied and everything else trails behind. I think education was like 16%. Healthcare was 10%. Taxes and spending were a little less than that. Uh, so those are the big issues. Uh, right now, Gretchen Whitmer has a job approval rating of 51%. And a negative uh, job approval rating of 31%, about 18% undecided. Uh, that's a better performance, uh, according to the electorate, according to the voters here in Michigan, than President Donald Trump, who has only a 42% uh, job approval rating and about a 54% uh, negative approval rating with the rest undecided. Uh, I'll just toss in here something having nothing to do at all with Michigan government, and that is the Kentucky Derby. Uh, remember, you can go to the state's only licensed paramutual track, Northville Downs, on Saturday afternoon. The race will go off about 
8.40 p.m. You can bet on it legally there. And uh, you can also bet on live harness racing that day at the track. You can also probably bet on uh, the Derby online if you really want to uh, from many different places. Uh, What is the situation in the Derby right now? Well, uh, it's a little convoluted because the favorite Omaha Beach at odds of four to one was scratched on uh, Wednesday night. And now it looks like there are three horses, uh, game winner, which is now the slight favorite at odds of nine to two, and two other horses, Improbable and Roadster, uh, at odds of about five to one. They're all trained by the legendary iconic Bob Baffert. Uh, he of the dark eye shades and thatch of silver hair, who is always smiling uh, for the cameras and very pleasant to talk to as well. He should be because he has already won five Kentucky Derbies and two triple crowns. And he's won a dozen and a half other triple crown races individually, like the Preakness and Belmont with other horses over the last uh, two to three decades. And he is training all three of these horses, improbable game winner and roadster. We will be back in a minute with a guest who will have some commentary and insights on Michigan politics. Not necessarily the Kentucky Derby. I won't ask her about that. Back in a minute. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We are back with a very special guest. She is the chairman of the Michigan Republican Party. You can say chairperson, chair, chairwoman. (laughs) <laughs> Laura Cox, Laura Cox, welcome. Hey, thank you, Bill. And you can say, hey, you, and I'll answer. doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, uh, it's actually becoming routine for a woman to be chair of the Michigan Republican Party. I remember the first, way back in the 1960s, Ellie Peterson. That She was a trailblazer. But then after that, we had uh, Susie Avery, Betsy DeVos, uh, Ronna Romney McDaniel, and now Laura Cox, right? Yes, yes. And we have a proud history of having strong women leaders in our Republican Party here in Michigan. Okay, well, let me ask you, what do you find your biggest challenge coming into this job? Succeeding Ron Weiser, who served a couple of times, split terms as chair, and I think he's still helping you raise money. But what yep. what are your biggest challenges? I just think, you know, part of it is, uh, you know, I tell uh, my people here, you know, in our office in Lansing is like, listen, we are a service organization. We serve to help Republican candidates get elected. We serve the grassroots. That's the kind of atmosphere and theme that I want for my leadership And, um, you know, when I'm talking to folks, you know, I'm talking to grassroots and getting them energized and excited about our battle in 2020. And I also, when I'm talking to donors to get them to invest in our party for 2020, you know, those are the kinds of things that 
it's the theme and the atmosphere. So, I mean, there's challenges like everybody has challenges every day, but I think it's uh, we're, we feel like we're in a really good place and we feel that we're going to uh, lay a good solid groundwork so that we're uh, effective and we are having many victories across Michigan for Republicans. Well, when you look at 2020, um, you've got Donald Trump running for reelection. We don't mm-hmm. know who the Democratic nominee is going to be yet. Uh, Donald Trump pulled what most people considered a massive upset, winning Michigan in 2016. Uh, then, obviously, there was some backlash against the Republican Party last year, and the Republicans lost seats in the state Senate and the state House, even though they retained control of both those bodies. And uh, they lost a couple of members of Congress, the Republicans did. Uh, looking ahead at 2020, how do you see the race? Uh, do you uh, think that Donald Trump should be considered in as strong a position running for re-election next year as he was going into the 2016 general election or stronger or uh, is, well, what do you well, think? Well, I think uh, I think he's going to be stronger because, you know, when I go around and talk to folks, you know, he has a track record, uh, a series of, you know, policy accomplishments that have had very positive impacts on folks across Michigan, you know, people that own businesses, people that, you know, are working, their paychecks. You know, today um, it was announced that we had the lowest unemployment rate throughout the country in 49 years under President Trump. I mean, he has the economy humming. And there has been increase in wages across the country as well, which is affecting women, which is affecting minorities. I mean, these are very good policies. And people, when they go to the polling place, you know, we want to remind them, listen, you want to go there and think about what's important to you. And I think that the president has a series of things of why he, what accomplishments that makes them want to vote for him again to be our president. And in Michigan, let's talk about just a couple of weeks ago, they announced that Ford was investing a half a billion dollars in a in an autonomous truck truck company here in Michigan. We have FCA bringing a plant back from Mexico to Michigan. We have Ford investing a billion dollars. This is jobs across the state for Michiganders. This is very important to us, and it's going to keep our economy humming here in Michigan. And 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 our unemployment rate is is at record lows, and that's because of his economic policies throughout the country and how that's affecting us here in Michigan. You know, he's he's pushing forward on good trade policies, you know, really pushing. He's holding China's feet to the fire. Who has done that in, you know, history? I mean, this is great that he's trying to hold China's feet to fire on trade policies. So he has a lot of things that he has to offer. He's beefing up our military, if that's important to folks. He's, he's, he's recognizing and honoring our veterans and making sure that they have good support from our government when they have risked their lives to help serve us and save us and protect us for our freedom. So he has so many things that we can point to of, as a successful track record that I believe that folks will support him, and he's going to be definitely uh, in a very much stronger position. Well, you mentioned history, and I would agree with you. History says if you've got an economy this robust, and uh, a lot of the accomplishments that uh, Donald Trump can point to, you should be in good shape. Nevertheless, aren't you a little worried that public opinion polls consistently show him with a negative underwater 
job approval rating here in Michigan. I just cited a poll before we came on the air. The latest one had him at like 42% approval here in Michigan and like 54% don't approve of the job he's doing. Uh, Doesn't that concern you compared to uh, the job approval ratings for Barack Obama or even George W. Bush uh, early on that were better? No, I don't. I don't. It doesn't at all. Because you know what's going to matter is, you know, on Election Day in 2020, you know, he was a surprise victor in um, 2016. And I think that, you know, as we keep keep working to talk about what he's accomplished and how it affects folks and here in Michigan, we're going to talk about jobs and we're going to talk about jobs and we're going to talk about jobs. And when we talk about that, I think that folks are going to go to the polls and reelect him as our president. And I think that, you know, you get through the other the other stuff, and if we keep pointing to what's important to people, I think that we will be successful in 2020. What about this uh, three-judge federal panel ruling on uh, Michigan's uh, legislative and congressional districts uh, that they're gerrymandered and have to be redrawn? That's being appealed, as you know, by uh, Republican leaders um, to the U.S. Supreme Court. How do you look at that whole situation and all the uncertainty right now and what may happen? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting that, you know, no one filed a complaint on the on the district line for eight years. And now here we stand in two years, we're supposed to redraw the lines. And now we have this lawsuit that was filed, you know, eight years into a 10 year cycle. But, you know, listen. Uh, we disagree with the with the the federal court's decision, and you know we're uh, waiting to hear. We support the appeal by the parties involved in the case, and you know we know that the Supreme Court is uh, hearing two very similar cases to Michigan's regarding North Carolina and Maryland. And folks, uh, the legal minds that I'm not a lawyer, but legal minds have, have told me that they believe that um, that what's decided in those cases will positively affect our case here in Michigan. So right now we're just kind of keeping our head down, letting the, you know, judicial process, you know, work its way through. And uh, we're trying to plan for, uh, you know, what's going to happen in 2020. So right now we might have a state Senate and state house seats, or we might just have state house seats. You know, we're just kind of planning for the worst case scenario. And when we talk to folks and donors, you know, that kind of uh, presses upon that urgency to make sure that people are active and excited and get ready to work for 2020. Okay, we're going to have to take a little break here. We'll be right back with Laura Cox. Got a lot more to say. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We have returned from our little hiatus with our special guest, and she is Laura Cox. She is chair of the Michigan Republican Party. And um, one thing that's rare about Laura Cox, and I had mentioned this earlier, she was a three-time um, elected state representative, total of six years. She yep. was four actually sorry four really okay yeah okay (laughs) uh and and you were chair of the appropriations committee yeah right and before that you were a member of the wayne 
County Board of Commissioners, right? Yeah. How yeah. many how many terms on that? Ten. Well, five terms, ten years. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. uh, any other elected office or what? I think that was enough. No. I think that was <laughs> enough. Uh, and, and that's pretty rare for an ex-legislator to become state party chairman. I think the last one was a former state representative named Mel Larson back in the 1970s. He was the state chair in the late 70s, early 80s. And uh, before him, there was a speaker of the state house named George Van Pearson from Zealand, and he was party chairman in the late 50s. So you're only the third in about 70 years. Uh, I think that's really commendable. Thank uh, you. Let me ask you, um, what do you think of the performance of three females in high constitutional officer elected status right now. Our governor, Gretchen Whitmer, our attorney general, Dana Nessel, our secretary of state, uh, Jocelyn Benson. Let's start with Governor Whitmer. Has she gotten off to a good start? No, not at all. You know, she proposed uh, raising taxes on small businesses in her budget proposal by 40%. That was pretty shocking. And then let's talk about what everybody talks about everywhere I go, which is she proposed the 45-cent gas tax increase that would make Michigan gas tax the highest in the nation, which I don't think anybody wants to be the highest gas tax in the nation. So um, she did not come off with a very good uh, start at all. She just definitely has some tax and spend uh, leniency, which we thought, she would, and obviously she proved that in her first budget proposal. Do you uh, spend any time as state chair, particularly with your background, your incredible background as chair of the Appropriations Committee the past two years in 2017-2018, uh, uh, talking to the legislative leaders like the Speaker of the House, Lee Chatfield, or Mike Shirky, uh, kind of getting your uh, teased crossed and I's dotted <laughs> in terms of making sure your message is coherent, or do you kind of leave that to them? Well, um, I am a great friends and admire both of the leaders and, um, and speak with them often. And uh, we're candid with each other. We recognize that we want to support each other. And my role as the party chair is to make sure that they're successful and I support them any way I can. And uh, so uh, I, you know, we have very good conversations. We talk often, and I don't tell them what to do, but I absolutely want to be there as the party chair to support them in, you know, all the things that they're doing um, to make sure that they're legislating and, and supportive and successful as leaders, you know, for, for Michigan. So, um, you know, I think it's all it's a very, very good relationship, and I think that they would say the same. From what you hear from uh, Mr. Shirky and Mr. Chatfield and others, do you expect they're probably going to come up with something on road funding that may not satisfy Governor Whitmer, but is something that is going to be positive that Michigan citizens can live with or will accept? Or do you well, think that uh, Gretchen Whitmer is going to beat him over the head and said, <laughs> You're, you haven't helped me fix the damn roads? Well, she's been threatening a government shutdown, which, you know, she's kind of being a bit petulant. Uh, I believe that the leaders are working together to have a solution um, for this situation for Rose funding. And I'm excited and interested to see 
um, what they come up with. But right now they're focusing on presenting a balanced budget. And as you know, Leader Shirky said he was not going to include uh, the gas the gas plan, the gas tax increase in his budget proposal. And I believe that the speaker is going, you know, is kind of approaching the budget that way. I don't think it's all come out of the committees yet. But I feel really good about, uh, you know, what's going to happen um, when these guys, you know, present their budgets. And, and it's going to be a good budget. And I feel that, the, the, you know, the folks around Michigan are going to be really happy with what the two chambers come up with. What about auto insurance rate reform? You went through uh, agonizing debate uh, yeah. at the time you were in the legislature, uh, and the Republicans are saying now this is our top priority. It's even bigger yep. than fix the damn roads. you think they're going to come up with something on this? Yeah, I absolutely do. Um, I think the Senate is pretty close to having something ready to come out of their committee and maybe out of the out of the chamber. And um, then I think it'll go to the House, and the House will. We always used to say sanitize when the Senate, you know, changed our bill. So I don't even know <laughs> what the House calls it, but I think the House will um, definitely put an impact. But you know, as I talk to all all the leaders in the House and the Senate, this is definitely a number one priority for them. And and I feel that they're going to have a good good package of bills come out, and that the that the folks across Michigan will really see some relief in their insurance costs. And, and I think it's going to be good. I don't know the specific details. You know, a lot of that will happen once we see what comes out of the Senate and then what the House, you know, kind of proposes, the changes they propose. But they're working together, and they're working together, um, I think, on a lot of big issues, which is really great to see. Um, it's really important that they collaborate together. I mean, obviously the chambers have their individuality, but... Um, that the leaders are working together, and that shows leadership, strong leadership, and, and we're really lucky to have them both in place. Well, I wish we could go on longer. We didn't even get to hear what you thought about the performance of Dana Nessel and Jocelyn Benson, but we'll have to leave it there, and thank you very much, uh, Michigan Republican Party, Laura Cox. You did a great job. Thank you, Bill. Thanks for having me. This is MTN, and you're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. Here's Bill. We are back with a guest who might be called Mr. Mapmaker or Mr. Apportionment, one of the top experts on the drawing of lines for congressional districts and state legislative districts over the past several decades. He is uh, Bob LeBrant. He is a former senior vice president for political affairs and legal counsel for the Michigan Chamber of Commerce. And he was also senior advisor for the Sterling Corporation. He now says he's retired, but I'm suspicious. I think he's still very much engaged out there. But welcome to the political insider, Bob LeBrant. Thank you, Bill. Well, look, so much has been written and presented uh, here in Michigan in the last 10 days about this three-judge federal panel decision on Michigan districting of congressional and legislative lines and the fact that they are supposedly gerrymandered. 
I'm not even going to try and describe everything that's happened. I'm going to leave it to you, Bob LeBrant. But I'm also really particularly interested in what you think is likely to happen or could happen going forward with all the possibilities and all this confusion and consternation in the political parties and in the legislature and the congressional delegation about what is likely to transpire. What do you think? I think everybody needs to take a deep breath. <laughs> um, I, I think that uh, uh, until we see what uh, the United States Supreme Court does in the North Carolina and Maryland cases, uh, all of the speculation about what will happen in Michigan, I think, is uh, is uh, premature. Uh, I know there's a lot of uh, uh, angst about uh, uh, all these districts being redrawn for the 2020 election. Uh, there's a lot of angst about what about uh, those state senators that may uh, uh, be um, – have to be elected in special elections in 2020 for a just a two-year term. Uh, I would say that all of this, uh, even though the court order says that, uh, the likelihood that all of this is going to occur uh, is really what's up. What's up uh, currently at the United States Supreme Court? Uh, the Supreme Court heard oral argument on, May, on March 26th. Uh, and the North Carolina and Maryland cases, most uh, observers uh, came away with the with the distinct impression that this was going to be a five four decision. Uh, the only justice that seems anywhere in doubt is 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 Justice Kavanaugh. Uh, justice Kavanaugh expressed some concern about extreme uh, gerrymandering. After all, he lives in Maryland, <laughs> uh, and. Uh, but I think when uh, when the opinion comes out sometime uh, between now and the, the last week in June of uh, 2019, I think it'll be a 5-4 decision. And we may, in fact, see uh, uh, the, the case decided on uh, perhaps a, a, a um, civil procedure uh, uh, determination much like uh, the Gill case from Wisconsin last uh, Supreme Court term, uh, basically uh, was disposed of with the uh, under the, uh, the 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 legal doctrine of standing. Uh, this particular case, those those Maryland and and North Carolina cases, may in fact uh, be disposed of on the the, the uh, doctrine of non-justiciability. That uh, the court, which back uh, in 2004 in the Beef case in Pennsylvania, had four votes to basically say that partisan redistricting is not subject to judicial review. They would have reversed uh, the 1986 uh, 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 case where uh, partisan gerrymandering was first uh, uh, discovered, and that was Davis versus Bandemore. So, I, I can see that there is four votes to basically kind of adopt the, the same outcome uh, what the, this three-judge panel in Michigan provided for, but that's only four votes. And uh, for you know uh, Justice Kagan, who would likely write such an opinion, uh, I you know somehow these Clinton and and 
and Obama appointees are going to have to somehow uh, get uh, one of the Republican appointees uh, on the Supreme Court to, to basically uh, flip and, and join them. And, uh, and, and perhaps uh, the Federalist Society will wonder about, uh, you know, how, how strongly vetted those, uh, the, the, those justices were. So I, I, I think that uh, when it all comes down uh, in sometime in June, that uh, that uh, the the Michigan case may be affected by the outcome of uh, those, those, that decision. Uh, one one other interesting thing, Bill, is that uh, uh, redistricting cases heard by a three judge panel in the federal court system have an automatic appeal. To uh, the United States Supreme Court, and so when Michigan has their case come before the United States Supreme Court, uh, they the court will have three options. The first option is to summarily affirm the, the ruling of the three judge panel. I think that's unlikely. The, the other is to summarily reverse the finding of the three judge panel, and I think that's dependent upon the outcome of. Uh, the Maryland and North Carolina cases. Or third, basically schedule this uh, case for oral argument in, in the 19, in the 2019-2020 term of the Supreme Court and, and uh, schedule oral argument and briefing. Um, if, in fact, that's the case, uh, you know, the third option, uh, you know, a stay will be granted uh, while that legal proceeding uh, occurs. And, uh, we won't have anything that will impact the 2020 elections. No special state senate elections, no redrawing of district lines. So as when I said, everybody take a deep breath. Uh, you know, the, the finding of this three-judge federal panel uh, is a long way from implementation. Well, let me ask you this one question. Sonia Sotomayor, who is one of the justices on the U.S. Supreme Court is the uh, so-called, I guess, controlling justice for the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, which includes the state of Michigan. And she's the one who would act on this request by the Republican interveners for a stay. Uh, Do you expect that that is imminent, that she will make a decision one way or another to stay the three-judge panel's ruling uh, now or as some have contended, uh, do you think uh, she uh, will wait until after the U.S. Supreme Court rules on the North Carolina and Maryland cases in June? Uh, I don't know the answer to that, but I do know that uh, if there are five votes for a stay uh, at the United States Supreme Court, a stay will be granted. Uh, you know, um, you know. Justice uh, Sotomayor may, uh, you know, she she denied a stay on whether the, the case could uh, proceed to trial back in January. Uh, here, I think it's more likely that uh, uh, all of the justices will be involved in, in a decision on a stay rather than just defer to the to the uh, the circuit justice, which she is for the Sixth Circuit. And um, so we'll see how that plays out. Isn't it true that at this point, I mean, in 230 years, there has not been a decision by the U.S. Supreme Court saying 
that any particular reapportionment plan at the state level is a gerrymander and is unconstitutional. I mean, there have been cases brought, but the U.S. Supreme Court has never so ruled. If they did so rule in the North Carolina and Maryland cases in June, that would be a first, right? That's correct. And, of course, that would have big ramifications for Michigan. Let me ask you this. Uh, You say everybody should take a deep breath, but uh, here in Michigan, what should the legislature do? Should they set up a committee right now, as I guess they're doing, to start uh, trying to perhaps draw maps uh, this spring and summer in anticipation of possibly uh, having to meet this August 1st deadline that the three-judge federal panel has imposed for maps to be presented to them? Or should they just... uh, Say, to heck with it. Well, I guess my main advice would be fill out. Let's see what happens in June with North Carolina and Merle. Okay. Listen, uh, that's the word from Bob LeBrand. It's about as good a definitive explanation of what's going on with this as you're going to hear anywhere. I want to thank you, Bob LeBrand. Thank you very much for what you've said on The Political Insider. Have a great weekend. Thank you.